Big Apple. I wanna be a part of B. everyone, welcome back to Your Story. I'm your host Ian Kath. This is episode 43. This is another episode from Buenos Aires. And just a reminder that there is a site. Remember, yourstorypodcast.com. And we've also got a Facebook fan page if you want to go and sign up for that and sort of maybe get a bit of a communication thing happening because I'm interested in a few things. I'm starting to get together some ideas. I'm wondering and I'm starting to think about it and research it. I'm after your opinion on... What makes an interesting conversation? What is the sort of thing that goes on that causes a conversation to be one of those things that you will remember maybe for a long time, but you'll definitely enjoy it in the process? You know, what makes it good? What makes it great? What are the elements of it? Is it the environment that you do it in? Is it the subject matter? Is it the people you're with? You know, does it have to be around a campfire with drinks or can it be stuck in an aeroplane? What other things, and maybe some of you out there have got some stories that you'd like to share where you can tell us a little bit of what are the things that you remember from a really great conversation. I want to try and get all this information together. I'm doing a bit of research out there on my own as well and try and form almost a strategy for having great conversations. I've had some amazing ones in my life and I'll share them with you in due course. But I'm really interested to know if there's maybe a bit of method methodology to it and um Maybe by following a few very simple rules, it's possible to have much deeper and richer relationships with people. These are just some things I'm thinking about. So you can send me an email at chat at yourstorypodcast.com. Make a comment over on the uh, Facebook fan page if you want to. Just search for Your Story in Facebook and you'll find it no trouble at all. Uh, send me a message on Twitter. I'm Ian Kath on Twitter. Remember, Kath is spelt with a K. Not too hard. Um, and we'll see if we can get a bit of a conversation going. A conversation about conversations. Yeah, let's see what happens. And it's the conversations that I do on your story that cause me to meet people, which is really a wonderful thing. And it's actually a challenge. I've mentioned to you in the past about how challenging it is to meet people. And I use every person I meet to help meet other people. And I have met an interesting person when I went to Buenos Aires. Well, actually, he met me because it was before I even left Australia, I'd mentioned a comment on a post, an Argentine post, and I got this email saying, hello, my name's Fred, and I've got this car service where I can pick you up from the airport and take you to accommodation, and you don't have to worry about language issues, you don't have to worry about being scammed by the taxi drivers, I'll meet you and pick you up, you know, you've seen them all if you haven't used them at the airports, and I went, what a damn good idea, and I'm travelling with two other fellows so we can split the cost. So Fred met us at the airport, and he has his service. I'm going to give him a plug, because he he deserves a a plug, a little bit that I can actually do for him. His company called silverstarcar.com, and 
he met us there in this really nice, you know, town car and looked after our baggage and transported us. And it was a very reasonable rate. Split between three people, it was probably similar to one and a half cabs or two cabs, which we would have had to get. And uh, it just looked after us. I told him what I was doing with the podcast. And he went, you know, I know some people. And these are the very people who uh, we're listening to today, previously, and in the future. People that Fred found for me really interesting people he put me into the scene he told me about different places to go he sort of looked after all sorts of stuff he's a top fella if you're ever going to Buenos Aires check out silverstarcar.com get him to help you you know travel you around transport you do all that sort of stuff a few of my friends actually used him after I introduced him to them or them to him and um, it's just a great way to get around Buenos Aires he can look after you as far as shopping and tours and all sorts of stuff so check out Fred silverstarcar.com thanks very much for all your help Fred I really appreciate it I know you'll be listening to this yeah, well, let's get back into the show. I've told you all about the email and fanbook fan page and all that sort of stuff. No need to go on about it. Just a bit of a plug for Iota Promonet, where I got some of this tango music that's in the background. Yeah, Iota Promonet even have tango music as well as the electronica, which I normally dig up. And today's show is a little bit about tango, because Debbie went to Buenos Aires back in 2000 to explore the world of tango and off and on over the next few years travel backwards and forwards many times eventually choosing in 2004 to settle there she tells us all about the differences in the culture but from a different angle she explains to us the difference in the male female dynamic in dating she explains to us what it's like to not have an external income stream from a uh, wealthy country like the US or Europe where the the dollars convert into pesos where you have to live on pesos she explains to us all these things and a little bit about tango and why she loves tango so much this is Debbie's story tenth of July two thousand nine sitting in a cafe in Palmona. Palermo. Palermo, with Debbie. And Debbie's going to talk about tango. Welcome to your story, Debbie. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. You're living in Argentina, but you're not in Argentine yet. No. Uh, where are you from originally? Well, I was born in Michigan, but I lived most of my life in California, in the Bay Area, San Francisco. So you're an American? Yes. United States citizen. Yes. Yeah. How long have you been here in Buenos Aires? Well, my first time I came was in 2000, and then from 2000 to 2004, I was in Buenos Aires 18 times, so I kind of commuted, and in 2004, I came to live permanently. What you, what drew you here in the first place? The first time I came was to dance tango. Had you been da- dancing tango back in the States? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for about a year, <clears throat> I had been dancing, maybe a year and a half, two years, I don't remember. and. I loved it here. I've been, it, I've been traveling a lot in Europe, and when I came here, I just fell in love with Buenos Aires, the architecture, the people, the culture. I thought, wow, I want to come back here. I've been thinking about living outside of the U.S., having that experience, and at that time I was thinking maybe Mexico or maybe Paris, and somehow I fell in love with Buenos Aires, and this is where it became. I find it fascinating to walk around this city and compare it with the little bit of traveling I've done in Europe. I see a little bit of Paris. I've heard there's a little bit of Spain, a little bit of Italy here. Yes, a lot. What, 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 are, you, what are your thoughts on that? How similar is it to Europe? It's not. I mean, I think 
Maybe at one time. Yes, there's a lot of European heritage here, and the architectures definitely. I mean, the Argentines brought a lot of architects from Italy and, and from France here to help in the design of the city. And there's a mixed culture here. Argentines will tell you that, that it's a little bit of Italian, a little bit of Spaniard, a little bit of something. But it's not Europe here. This is South America with maybe a European flavor. But I think what happens to a lot of people is that they read that Buenos Aires is the Paris of South America. But this is not Paris. This is Buenos Aires. It's a very special place, but it's not Europe. Describe Buenos Aires to those people. You can't describe it. It's indescribable. Well, how does how does it compare to back home in the states? How does it compare to Europe? You know, can you paint a word picture for people? Um. Well, you know, people ask me why do I live here. Why do you live here? I love it. I mean, it's very different. It's the kind of place where at two o'clock in the morning somebody rings my doorbell and wants to go out to coffee. And I could be in bed sleeping and I think, okay, yeah, let's go to coffee. And that would never happen in San Francisco. Nobody would ever ring your doorbell at 2 o'clock in the morning. Nobody would ever call you after 9 o'clock at night. But here, my friends call whatever time they want. So here, I'm never alone. I mean, once somebody told me you're only alone in Buenos Aires if you want to be or if you have a problem. So I like that because I have tons of friends here. So... There's always someone and there's always something to do. I never have to worry about looking for something to do or, or being with people. So that's a nice thing. Um, do you have more friends here? You're very vivacious. Is it, I've is always it had lots of friends, always, even when I lived in California. But it's, I don't know, it's different here. For example, there, when it was my birthday, I would always have to think, oh my God, it's my birthday, what am I going to do? So I'd leave the country because I was so afraid of being alone on my birthday. But here, my birthday is like a three-day affair. Like two months before, my friends are like, oh, my God, what are we going to do for your birthday? It's like, you guys, my birthday's not until May. But our group of friends, we always celebrate our birthdays for three days. We have one day in a milanga, one day in a restaurant, and one day in somebody's house where everybody brings food and shares. And that never happened in the U.S. ever. I mean, if I wanted to do something for my birthday... I had to do something for my birthday. My friends didn't get together and do things for my birthday. Holidays, I can't think of how many times if I didn't have a boyfriend, you know, what was I going to do on a holiday? I mean, even now, my girlfriends, I ask them, what do you do on New Year's? Oh, nothing. I went to bed early. But here, it's not like that. I mean, I'm always with my friends and their families, and we do something together. It's never a matter of having to look for something. I mean, there's just always things to do and, and people to be with. It's not that I didn't have friends there. There's just more of a, you know, if you want to call it a sense of, of family or a sense of community here that I think people are more individual in the USA. They're more geared towards working than they are towards their personal lives. So you fell in love with Buenos series, and that's why you, you came here. And mm-hmm. you came here originally because of tango. But what was your background in the US? What, oh, what did you leave behind? I didn't leave anything behind. I had a business. I was in computers. I was a systems integrator. I had my own business for 25 years. I was like a computer geek, business analyst. That's what I did. And did you bring that with you here? Uh, I mean, I'm always doing computer stuff. Like right now, I'm working with a group of Argentine guys. 
and I'm doing some computer stuff with them and we're trying to they work with call management software down here and I'm trying to help them get started working with the same software in the US outsourcing I mean in the US that I would have been the enemy so no your enemy now I'm the enemy <laughs> um, I can't take all my years of expertise that I had in building a company there and help these guys build their company here. So there's that. So do you do much of that here or is it more about the lifestyle and tango and... I do stuff? lots of things. I like, can't do just one thing. No, I mean, tango is a part of my life, but it doesn't consume my life. You can't. I mean, foreigners have this whole idea about what tango is and you cannot live in the milonga. It will eat you alive. You cannot do it. I had that life and then I was in a very bad car accident here in 2006 with my first partner. We were teaching, we were dancing, we were taking people to the milangas, the whole thing, the whole fantasy. I never wanted that. I mean, I never thought that I would be like a really good tango dancer. I just wanted to dance tango. I've danced my whole life since I was five years old. Every kind of dance, ballet, tap, modern jazz, ballroom, swing. I've always danced since I was five years old, and tango was something I never thought I would be good at. And then I came here, and I fell in love with the milonga and the milingueros and the respect, and I never had a lot of lessons. I mean, that's it. I never was one of these people that spent $50 million in private lessons with all the name brands. That wasn't me. I learned from the milingueros. I learned from the milingueras, I mean, they, helped me with my dance. Somehow I got with this guy, we started teaching, and then we started taking tours to the Milonga and we were giving lessons. And then one night, we were taking some tours to the Milonga at three in the morning, and he ran a red light, and we were broadsided. And I took the full impact of the crash, and I fractured my hip, and I fractured a vertebrae, and damaged all the cartilage in my left knee, and he abandoned me, because I couldn't dance. He stayed with me until the doctor said they didn't know when I would walk again, let alone wear high heels, and then it was hasta la vista baby. And I made an amazing comeback. I mean, I actually dance better now than before, and he wanted to come back to me. That's the reality of the Milonga. I found out who was my friend, who wasn't my friend. I learned a lot. I baja tranquila in my life, and I didn't really want to dance professionally after that. Then I met my current partner, Roberto Grande, came from the Teatro Colón, who's a spectacular dancer and spectacular teacher. And so we work together. Sometimes we dance in small shows. He has an academia in Quilmes, and I work with him with his Argentine students, and he loves his students, and they love him. And so I go to Quilmes and teach with him there. We teach people here in the capital in private lessons, Argentines as well as foreigners. And I don't know where it's going to go. I think a lot of it is more me than him. I don't like all the nastiness and the competitiveness. It's hard for me to look at people that really don't dance that well, let alone teach out there with their, their flyers and their 12-color ads. But, you know, Tango's become a very, very big business. And for me, it's very sad because I was here in 2000 before the government made Tango a big business. So for me, yes, tango is a part of my life, but it's what, not the only part of my life. You just said the government made tango a, mm -hmm. a business. Mm -hmm. what, what do you mean? I don't understand that. In the crisis... 2001, into 2001. 
in I was here when there was a run on the banks and all that. Tango was nothing. It was for the people. It was very small. There were very few foreigners that came here. Tourists didn't even come here. I mean, what was Buenos Aires? It was like this really weird, exotic place. And then the government started to turn Buenos Aires into the new Prague. And they determined that tango was a good thing to capitalize on. And the government started to hold seminars for tango, how to market tango. And it was insane, some of the things that they did. You know, they were telling teachers, you know, don't discount your prices. Who cares that, you know, the prices are lower here? Charge them what you would charge them in their own country. So teachers before who would charge a, a moderate price here were now charging like $100 you know, $200 for classes. It was insane. I mean, the prices of shoes skyrocketed. The quality went down. People who were had nice all-leather shoes were now mixing cardboard into their shoes with plastic heels because they could make more of a profit. I mean, the whole thing became so commercial. It was terrible. You had people that never danced tango in their life that were maybe ballet dancers all of a sudden became tango dancers. And the whole thing, we would sit there, the people in the Milangas, and we would go, what the heck is going on here? So Tango became big business. The government promoted it. All of a sudden, they got involved in the, the Campeonato and the Mundial and started promoting it, where, as before, it was just sort of a, a little neighborhood thing that was going on in the, the Milangas, just sort of a fun thing for the people living here. And then it just became like this huge worldwide competition with money behind it. The first Campeonato, I remember in Ideal, had 70 local couples competing. Now, you don't even see posters in the Milangas. Nobody really cares about it. What is it? It's fixed. Everyone knows some Argentines that are taking lessons from the judges are going to win. So what's the point? You know, it's, it's really, it was to bring the foreigners here to spend their money and buy shoes and clothes and it's like a, a big exposition it's it's no longer for the people it's not for us foreigners like me well whatever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but you speak as though you're not a foreigner you, you know you speak as though you're a local a I native. Am. if you go into the milangas and you ask any of the people there about me they'll tell you how do you feel inside I, you know, I probably feel like an immigrant feels in any country. I haven't been back to the U.S. since January of 2006. I mean, you made a comment to me about something, and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I live here. I mean, my life is very Argentine. My friends are, are mostly Argentine. I have American friends. It's, I have friends that are British. It's not that, that I have friends that are Italian. It's not that I don't want foreign friends, but I live here. You know, this is my home. I am what, what? used to the life here. So, yes, I'm many. there are many levels. No, I can't change. I'm an American woman. I'm very independent. Um, I don't let men push me around. I don't like the machista attitude here. So on that level, I'm never going to change. And the Argentine men drive me up a wall, and I let them know it. But on other levels, no, I'm, I'm very much Argentine because this is where I live. It's have you, in doing that transition from living in California to living here, have you changed internally? Are you a different person oh, in yeah. order to be able to live here? Oh, yeah. I mean, my friends come and they can't believe how mellow I am. They go, oh, my God. And yet the Argentines, it's like really funny. When I first came here, oh, my God, they thought I was like 
And I say, tranquila, 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 all the time because I was so classic type A. I'm like so calm now compared to how I used to be. Yet for Argentines, I'm, 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 but no, I am a lot calmer than I used to be. I have to be. I'm a lot more patient. I mean, you're always standing in line here. You have to. And it just doesn't bother me to go stand in line. I know that if I'm going to be standing in line, I take a book with me, I take my iPod. It's just the way it's going to be, you know. What is the life of um, Buenos Aires? What is, it, what is it like here? What's the good things? Where does, where do, what do you revel in? And I already and... told you, my friends. Do you do theatre? It's expensive. I mean, I don't think you understand. I live in pesos. I don't live in dollars. I don't live in a four-to-one economy. I live in pesos. So you don't have an income stream coming from the U.S.? No, I don't. I live on what I make here. There's, like, for example, there's a lot of, about two weeks ago, a friend, some friends of ours, he's a journalist from Paraguay, did a documentary on how the president of Paraguay rose to be president. And so we went and supported him, and it was 15 pesos. So I do things like that. Um, there's a lot of good theater for 25 pesos, so I do things like that. Um, Arnett, who is my ISP, if sometimes we can see the dress rehearsals for free, so I do that. I go to the movies, and sometimes Arnett and also my health insurance if you they like give you free entrances to like new movies i saw australia for free i love that movie it was horrible reviews in the states but here for argentines it was like a great movie i enjoyed it i loved it there's a lot of free stuff you can do culturally here i mean the government is really good about supporting people with free stuff culturally a lot of orchestras a lot of free music so do that too on saturday I'm going to go to an earlier, well, like Pago Fasu, that's how we pay our bills. So I have two for one for the movie. So my girlfriend and I are going to go to the movies on Saturday. We're going to see Return to Bolivia, which is a documentary. So and there's a lot of stuff you can do. But like the legitimate theater, that's like 120 pesos. That's a lot of money for us. And I think that's a hard thing for a lot of foreigners to understand. They come here with this, if it's euros, five to one dollars four to one they say well it's cheap well yeah it's cheap for you guys but for me it's not cheap and for my friends it's not cheap you know i can't go to the milangas every night for me i go on the bus last night we went to the milanga we took the soup day there all bundled up me the soup day is the underground yeah we had to pay the entrada i used to get in free to a lot of the milangas because i always bring people but now the Organizers can't let people in free like they used to because not that many people are going right now. It's winter. 15 pesos to get in. Then, you know, you need to get something to drink. So that's like 5 pesos. That's 20 pesos. And then at night in this Milanga to wait for the bus because I'm sick, been sick, you know, I can't wait an hour for the bus to come. So then it's like another 17 pesos to go home. That's a 37 peso night for me. That's a lot of money. I can't do that five nights a week. You know, when people say, oh, the mamangas are empty. That's why, because the majority of us can't spend 50 pesos every night to go out. You think of that as $50. Who has $250 a week to spend on milangas? That's a lot of money. What's the attitude of the locals here towards people like me? People who come here with my Australian dollars and go and buy things and sit in cafes and have the three-to-one exchange rate, which is what it is for Australia. They don't care. I mean, 
I don't think anybody, I mean, we know that you help our economy. I don't think the problem is the tourists coming here. I think the problem is the individual, when you have individual attitudes, you know, that's the difference. An ugly tourist is an ugly tourist, no matter where they're from and what country they're visiting. I mean, I read something yesterday on the internet that the French are the worst tourists. Quien sabe? Who knows? So, you know, we know that tourists are, are good for our economy. I mean, once a group of tourists came into a milanga and they did a conga line in the middle of the milanga. Those are not good tourists. No. We don't like those. pretty bad form, isn't it? Yeah. If you come from the US with a four to one exchange rate, you've got this advantage. You can come here and have a great life. Yeah. Relatively cheap. Yeah. What about for you when you want to go back to the US? I'm shuddering. You know, it's like people are always asking me to come back, come back. It's hard because to go to California for 10 days is going to cost me $2,000. I can't do it. And $2,000 is 8,000 pesos, which is a huge amount of money here, isn't it? Yeah. What does the average person earn, you know, the average person earn in a year here? Yearly income. Depends what they do. Of course it does, but um, the average I mean, person. A middle manager in a, you know, in a corporation. I have a friend who's like the general manager for a British company. She probably earns about... 1,800 pesos a month, 2,000 pesos a month, maybe 2,500. Mm. That's not that much to live on. The programmers that work for me, these guys are maybe earning 50,000 pesos a year. That same guy in Silicon Valley will be earning probably $80,000 a year. So financially, it's it's hard here. It's very hard here. And, and you could have stayed in the U.S., yeah, but, but you still love it here. Yeah. I don't want to work 70 hours a day, week day really I mean if I lived in the US yeah I could go back to the US I still get phone calls from people because I was a really good business analyst the thought of it makes me cringe I can't go back to that life I can't go back here I'm legendary for my attitude about the Argentine men legendary because here what is the most important thing in a woman to an Argentine man looks really that's it if you ask the Argentine man what's important to you in a woman, how she looks, and that she's affectionate, they don't care if she's intelligent, they don't care if she's a good person, <laughs> oh, and that she'll be a good mother. That's it. And the fact that I'm intelligent, that's like a big deal breaker because I'm too smart. So the second I open my mouth, it ruins everything. What is important to a woman? Looks and that the guy has money because she wants to be maintained. I mean, it's generalization, but the bottom line is it's true. If you ask an American man, even an Australian man, not Australian man, I mean, yeah, they want a woman that's attractive, but they want a woman that they can have a conversation with, that they can communicate with, that has a good sense of humor, that's intelligent, that has good values. Because an attractive woman that's stupid is worthless. But here, no. And it's funny because I have this conversation with Argentine guys, and you'll say, well, do you really want a woman that's stupid? And they'll say, yeah, she's got, you know, this and this and this. Why not? What man would? As you held your hands up to ex show big boobs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically. And they'll say, what man wouldn't? The Argentine women are more like 30 years behind, and they can't be without a man. So they, even though they may be working and have the financial independence, they still accept the behavior of the man, they don't change. So if you're after a relationship, do you look towards American men? Mostly American men that come here are either really young or they come with a, a significant other. But Argentine men don't cut it for you? 
No, they love me. And then they start to talk to me, and you see the horror across their face. Oh, my God, she's got a brain. It's, like, really funny. It's really funny. They just go on. Ay, que hermosa. How beautiful you are. And I always tell them, pero yo soy muy inteligente también. Which means? I'm very intelligent, too. And they go, oh, por favor. I say, soy una buena persona. I'm a good person. They don't want to hear that. You know, and then I, like, want to talk politics with them, because I read all the newspapers. And they just like look at me and it's like, oh, you see the horror start to go through their eyes. Oh my God, she has a brain. <laughs> and God forbid that my opinion doesn't agree with theirs. They'll start to yell at me. It's like really funny. Like the other day in a coffee, after six minutes, I got up and I walked out because the guy started yelling at me. Because he disagreed with your politics or your opinion or something. Yeah. He, like, started to bash me because I was an American. He started telling me how Americans were. And I asked him, have you ever been to the United States? And he goes, no. <laughs> I go, caso cerrado. Case closed. I find it rather humorous. I find it's fascinating to see an insight into the culture. Yeah. Like that. It's very different. When I first moved here, I dated a man from Australia. And he was leaving as I was coming. And his words to me were, you're going to hate the men here. <laughs> he said, because he hated the women. I think I believe after four years you didn't find any women that were professional, intelligent, intellectual women. He said, oh yeah, there are. But the second they get in the company of a man, you know, they become really stupid. You know, they don't want to show their intelligence. And I thought, oh yeah, right. But he was absolutely correct. He was absolutely correct. He said, during the day, they're very intelligent, you know. But the second eight o'clock comes around, you pick them up for a day. because oh, mi amor, como tu quieres. My love, whatever you want. And he said it was just absolutely amazing. He couldn't stand it. And at the end of our date, he said it was a real pleasure to go out with a woman and have an intellectual conversation. He said that in four years, he really missed that. So the, so the culture is they, they love their family, they love their friends. Yeah. And you've shown us some insight into the male-female dynamic. What other, what other traits are there within... They love to this? argue. Oh, really? Yeah, I do too, so I guess that's why I like them. They're very stubborn. Opinionated and passionate about yeah, things. Yeah, even when they're wrong, you know, they like to complain a lot too. Yeah. I always say, like, if you have a headache, Argentina has a brain tumor. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you sprained your ankle, they had their leg amputated. You know, with us, we say the glass is half full, the glass is half empty. They don't even have a glass, there's just water all over the table. <laughs> so, you know, a bunch of big fat liars. I've heard they're a bit of a hypochondriac Yeah, they too. are. And that's why, you know, when foreigners go on and on, I go, So what's happening with this swine flu here at the moment? It's the overblown. Yeah. I just think the media has just blown it all out of proportion. I mean, last year in Argentina, 8,000 people died of the flu. Last year in the U.S., 36,000 people died of the flu. And how many have got copped the swine flu and died? It's only a couple of dozen, isn't it? Uh, no, they say now 60 people have died. Okay. I mean, 60 people have died. I mean, 60, 60 people have died. It's 60 people. I'm not saying it's not good or bad, but every year in July, people get the flu. I mean, every year. I had the flu last year. My friends had the flu last year. I mean, yeah, I think this flu was a little stronger, but it's flu season. What, what about the reaction to them here, though? What, the people seem to have a complete lockdown mentality. No, they the news media, I think, because the news media is gen Some do, some don't. Not everybody. Okay. I think a lot of people just feel... I mean, last year, when you get the flu, people say the same thing. Dress warm, you know, don't go out, take care of yourself. And people are saying the same thing. 
I mean, the lockdown mentality is coming from the government because they want us to know how bad the economy is. And is the economy bad? Yeah, it's bad. I mean, inflation's horrible. I mean, I'm going to give you an example. I bought my apartment in 2005. My expenses—I don't know what you call them in Australia. In the U.S., we call them homeowners' fees. We pay a monthly fee. Was 267 pesos. Now I pay 724. Okay. It's a lot. Yeah. My health insurance in 2005 was 2,100 pesos a year, and now it's 6,300. Wow. Private. That's, that's a lot of insurance for here. Yeah. Everything. I mean, you used to be able to get a cafe con leche with three medio lunas for three pesos. Now it's nine and a half.、Mm, equivalent to getting a, a flat white coffee and a muffin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I went out to lunch with a friend the other day, and that was my budget for the week: thirty-six pesos for lunch. Yeah. It's all fascinating, and I love the fact that you've taken me through a bit of a journey about this town and your life here. But I'd like to wrap up with tango. Okay. I'd like you to tell. People who don't know anything about tango, what tango means to you, why you continue to do it, and you know the fact that you've got come all the way here to do it. You know what is tango for you? It's music. It's music. There's something about the music. When I hear Tisarli, especially with Roberto Florio singing, I don't know. I listen to the words. There's something about. That time, and there's something about tango in Buenos Aires. You can't get it anywhere else. It's not about steps. It's not about comfortable shoes. It's not about slits up the side. It's about the music, and it's about the embrace, and it's being able to share that passion of that music with someone that can hear it the same way as you. And you can move together as one, and that's tango. It's, it's nothing more than that. It's, it's a feeling. It's an embrace. It's passion. It's, it's nothing more than that. It's very simple. It's just a walk, una camioneta. That's all it is. Debbie, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on your story. See you around sometime. Okay. Bye bye.
There are eight million stories in the naked city. This has been one of them.